It's the Heart of a Fighter show. I'm your coach, Coach Johan. Thank you for listening. I hope your week is going by amazingly. This is the show where we talk everything gym life. We talk front and rear levers. We talk biomechanics and recovering from injury. We talk how to get more MCTs in your diet. Everything having to do with the gym, we cover it. Welcome in. Today, we're going to talk about the Game Changers. That's right, that little documentary on Netflix that's got people in an uproar. But first, I want to remind you guys that if you're on iTunes, I need you to show me a little five-star love. Take a little second. Give your coach a rating of five stars on iTunes, especially if you're on iTunes. You know why. You know how. Hope you do that for me. I appreciate it. And thank you guys for listening. I really, really appreciate it. Um, We're going on close to uh, two years now. So uh, pretty amazing, guys. And it's because I've been motivated by you guys, right? By you who tune in, who download this, who have rated it. And it is a humble show uh, about me sharing stories to you about people just like you very simple premise because the fitness arena is bereft of real stories we see too many avatars on tv we see too many caricatures of people who've lost weight who have maxed out their diets perfectly and i'm here to tell you that that's not actually how it goes right we all have our ups and downs especially within this fitness arena and I'm here to help coach you through it because I think you guys need real representations of what actually happens. Guess who's the real representation? You guys. So this is why this show is for you and it's about you. Um, so thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But you, all that goodwill I just built up, you meat eaters, you specifically carnivore heavy humans you might hate me after this one because no one has got their freaking chonies in a bunch more than carnivores this past week right because of the game changers what is the game changers game changers is a documentary right one of my friends told me about this a week maybe two weeks ago and she's like have you seen it never heard of it flip by it uh, got into it real quick. She said she was going to try eating some uh, plant-based stuff. And I was like, yeah, cool. Let's check it out. Flipped by it, saw it, and then had to go back and watch it again, kind of. Um, and then found out a whole bunch of motherfucking meatheads were getting very upset. I brought it up to a couple of my trainees, too. Okay? But here's the deal, guys. The Game Changers, Okay? The Game Changers is a Netflix documentary about food. The food happens to be plant-based. The demographic happens to be super athletic people who are vegan or plant-based. The Game Changers seems to, without prejudice, try to convince a majority of its meat-eating audience or demographic... To switch over to what end, I don't know. James Wilkes is the star. He is 
your spokesperson. He is your living case study. He is your specimen. And he goes through it from a recovery from injury. He decides to pick up some of the advice that he had been heard floating around in order for him to regain his mobility, recover from injury, and be a bad motherfucking, badass motherfucking uh, martial arts instructor. Right away, you see this dude doing some intense shit, and he even explains that the stuff that he teaches paramilitary, special forces in America, all these high-level, you know, self-defense groups uh, and military men and women, the shit that he teaches, they don't allow in, in mixed martial arts, and he can't just readily show anybody. And he is super adept at it just from watching what I saw. He looks like a badass. He was in the UFC. That's the background of the, I guess, protagonist of our documentary. And I already know what you're thinking. Another fucking documentary that blows up and does big baseball numbers. Yeah, another one of those, right? Another documentary. (sighs) And I already know what you're thinking. Boy, do documentaries suck ass, right? Because they're so difficult for people to get right. The documenter has to either go deep into a a subject matter and cover it. Requiring weeks, I think months of research. A ton of interviews. And you have to interview the right folks. Then you have to film it in a correct way. And now you stop being a researcher and you start being a filmmaker. And documentaries usually fail on one of those two fronts. They're either great researchers and get all the great information, and then they suck at storytelling, or they're incredible raconteurs who get shitty information. Off the top of my head, I could already say Michael Moore is a better filmmaker than he is researcher, even though I think um, Fahrenheit uh, 911 was, was a little bit of both. People will dispute facts on there all day and all night. And then I think about um, Billy Corbin, who is pretty damn good at at um, uh, telling a story and getting facts and getting interviews. But as a raconteur, it's like, eh. Because if you saw the, the uh, documentary about Alex Rodriguez and steroids and baseball screwball, it was the strangest uh, way to tell a story ever. By having them all be kids and stuff, it was like super demeaning. Um, I thought it was it was it was very weird to um, incite this level of purility that would exist amongst men who are professional athletes in doping. I'm I'm not sure that there's a level of like childlike behavior that's absent from our daily lives that's more prevalent in athletes trying to to dope each other up you know so it's a weird decision but that's just it with documentaries right they have to hook you and they can't just hook you with information right but hey we're growing ourselves let's get past it so we're looking for either incredible research or incredible storytelling and what we get here is um well what i thought was a good amount of research so our bald badass friend introduces us to a number of olympic level athletes and 
a professional strongman, right? And before we even get started into why we should all become vegan and save the stratosphere from cow farts, right? We're introduced to a cast of characters who are all high-level athletes, especially we have the beautiful track runner, we have the the huge powerlift strongman, we have the the um, NFL players later on, we got the, the, the boxer that fought Klitschko, and I encourage you guys when you watch the doc to go back, look who they are, find out, dig up their past, see what they're on, their names aren't important with regards to what we're doing right now with this review, right, and their accomplishments, not so much important. Because this here, guys, we're just going to talk about the issues having to do with food. And overall, you know, here's the deal, okay? Here's the deal. So we're introduced to these folks, but right away we're hit with, okay, fact number one, right? As he introduces it. Here's the first thing that struck me. First thing that struck me was he brings up, Wilkes does, with the company of other uh, clinicians, like scientists, people who have, you know, research articles to back up their claims. He already is talking about endothelial flow or something like that, which is the amount of blood that flows through muscle tissue. And if it's occluded, that your performance, athleticism, and gains will be also inhibited, right? So the more shit you have flowing through your pipes inside your muscles, the crappier you're going to perform. You won't be able to do your box jumps, your kettlebell swings when you eat so much fat. He goes so far as to have these three um, athletes. I think they're football players for the Rams, I think. He has all these dudes do this where he's, they eat plant-based and then they eat more fat and then he draws their blood and their blood is cloudy and he alludes the clinicians allude to that inhibiting this endothelial flow. And already I'm excited because I'm like, yo, this is cool. We actually have a measurement and a benchmark with which we can see performance gains go up or down. But as soon as I thought that, I'm like, yo, where the hell was this endothelial flow <laughs> my entire life? Why wasn't I reading about this in the 1995 issue of Muscle and Fitness with uh, Nasser El Sonabadi on the front of it? Like, why didn't I know about endothelial flow if if this was such a big marker of performance uh, uh, athleticism? Like, w- can I drink, you know, um, purified water and that will that clear up my endothelial flow? Because <laughs> if that's the case, let's do it. But they kind of just left it. They didn't talk about it again after that, which I thought was a huge mistake. I thought that they could follow through with that a lot. So... Right there is probably the biggest failing that I will say this movie had. It had, or this doc, it had the opportunity to hook athletes in and people who are high performers, high performance athletes, in with a measurable marker that directly correlated to to enhancements or even lack thereof. Instead, what we get is implied correlation all the way through. Look. Newsflash, guys. 
Remember that diet you guys tried and it had the meat in the morning and then you had to eat bacon for your snack and then your pre-workout was like a bunch of shakes and then you were like, yo, I haven't eaten any fruit in like a month. Is this good for me? And then you looked online and you found out, hey, there's a study that proves that this is great for me. Yeah. The study that proves that anything you're doing is perfect. (laughs) Well, turns out that's what this doc is all about. Right? Also turns out that Wilkes and whoever else, I think is James Cameron, the dude who made fucking Titanic and Avatar is involved in this. It turns out that everyone wants to excoriate these guys for for cherry picking uh, scientific articles. So number two, the second reason that people have a problem with this that I necessarily have a small problem with is correlation. The documentary does a shitty. With a very good job of proving what it wants to prove. But it does a poor job, like all nutrition uh, advice, of separating out viable, usable um, research. Basic scientific research and describing what it means. We should be safe from meta-analysis and epidemiology, which essentially, guys, only says things are... A, and so it's probably B. Those are epidemiological studies. They're looked at from afar. They usually are amongst samples in the hundreds of thousands or 50,000. Huge samples because you don't have to intervene. Real research requires a sample and it requires tests. And the scientists have to know their shit and it requires grants. It's a lot of work. But when they get done... They publish articles. Well, the articles could be sponsored by this, that, and the other. If it's not done through academia, right, as I've been told by one of my trainees who is a freaking scientist and a smart person, uh, if it's not done through academia, yo, I could pay you. You're a scientist. Go do this study. Tell me what you find. I'll publish it. Makes me look good. Do another one. And that's what we do. (sighs) Newsflash. Your paleo diets, your keto diets, your Ornish diets, your Whole30 diets, they all have nutrition, uh, biochemist, scientific, basic research backing it. They all cherry pick. All nutrition, unfortunately, is cherry picked to show you guys that, hey, you should only eat butter lettuce and you'll lose weight. Here are the scientific studies. Don't believe me? Go search right now. I mean, Atkins was a doctor himself. So is Ornish. Okay? So, I'm watching, like, like I think the Joe Rogan experience, and they had Chris Kresser on, who this guy doesn't know anything about nutrition. Um, he wrote the Paleo Code, and, and this dude is just a Wikipedia scientist, and just should not be given a mantle of any degree of expertise is out here talking about oh they cherry picked studies which also bio lane i guess said the same thing well to 
the untenable blasphemy of cherry-picking studies, which, by the way, goes on all the time, is countered by what? By what? By more jejun cherry-picking. These guys come out and they cherry-pick their own studies to counter cherry-picking that exhibited uh, itself on the Game Changers. On the Game Changers, it was like, Men and women who eat plant-based have less occurrences of heart disease, which is the killer, right? And then the fire they went to the firefighters and they told the firefighters, hey, you guys aren't going to die in a fire. You're going to die of heart attacks because that's what firefighters die of. Plant-based, they drop 100 points off their cholesterol. Well, that's, that's great. And that study might be true, but it's correlative, and guys, the number one rule in science is correlation doesn't equal causation. That's why you need science. Like, guys, guess what? I got this freaking shirt on. It's chartreuse. That's a bright yellow or green. It has the logo of a boxing club that I that I teach at on. I have that on right now. And you know what? It keeps eagles, bald eagles, from chewing at my face. Yep. See? You know how it works? There are no bald eagles chewing at my face. That's a stupid example, but that's exactly what we're saying. We're saying that because you guys are eating plant-based that you're not dying of heart disease. Or that if you eat just meat, you will lose more weight. These are correlative things, and they're not true. The truth is, however, that whenever you do any alteration to your nutrition, be it, I'm going to start eating breakfast where I didn't before. I'm going to start drinking shakes at lunchtime instead of eating anything. Uh, I'm going to decline my parents when I go to their house and they offer me all this this grub, this delicious home cooking. I'm going to turn it down because I know I got to get, they cook a little too fatty. I got to get my, my diet on point, my, eel, my eating on point. I can't do it. I'm going to deny them. These are active changes. Changes that have deep inroads into our lifestyle. And because they have deep inroads, we start to notice other areas that we can change. Essentially, you're running cognitive behavioral therapy on yourself by making yourself more aware of your food choices. And vegans and vegetarians naturally have to do that. Whether it's because you're straight up ital, you overstand, or if you're... Just someone who decides to do it because you want to stop eating beef because you have an ethical uh, obstruction to the desultory killing of animals. Then that's a good reason for you to go vegan or vegetarian. And if that's the case, well, you know, then you have to do that, right? But when you make that lifestyle change, other things could happen and they start to be kind of a chain reaction. Right? So that's 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 why you see people who start these plant-based diets, they do better in life. They lose weight, they drop cholesterol because they're being aware. Let me do this really quickly. Okay? Michael Pollan, I don't know, you know, what people think about him, what you guys think about him is he's a solid writer. He's a good writer. He wrote, I think, in the defense of food, uh, which is a food book from like 10 years or something ago, and then I turned into a movie. He wrote Why We Eat, 
which is a very smart, small handbook. He was on the Joe Rogan experience, not for all that nutrition shit, despite Rogan's just just bandying nutrition advice that's quite bad. He was on there for his extillation and his love of psychedelics, of all things. But Michael Pollan wrote a book called The Omnivore's Dilemma. The Omnivore's Dilemma is just that. It describes subtly the problem of the first world problem of having too much and having a giant population. What do you choose to eat when you can literally eat everything? When you go to another country that's a second world country, maybe a third world country, you ain't eating everything. You're eating what's in front of you. And what's in front of you is expertly cooked with generations of knowledgeable cuisine and cooking method behind it. Food science at its brightest and best. That's what you're eating. But here in America and other first world countries that have endless food systems, we get to choose. We get to choose to eat chicken or organic chicken or grass-fed only organic chicken or fuck chicken. I like hen. We get to choose. So what do you choose? That's the problem. And that's always been the problem. The problem is we don't have to think about what we eat. When I'm hungry, I can just eat. And because of that, we often take the path of least resistance and eat the shittiest or cheapest, in my experience, the most convenient thing there for us. It is a strong, strong correlation to why I always ask my trainees, what'd you eat? And they always say, yo, the company brought in pizza or whatever the fuck. They brought in donuts. And when I hear that they do that, I just already know. My poor trainee got no chance. They got no shot. Right? When the company's like, hey, what's for lunch? Krispy Kreme. Like, (laughs) Krispy Kreme. Can't you think of something better? Can't you get creative? Why do they why do these companies have to bring in shit? I've 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 talked to a few people that work at Google, like a couple. Yes, that Google. And they have like four-star chefs cooking inside their restaurant and making in their in, in inside their cafeterias and they can pretty much ask for whatever they want supposedly and what they don't get freshly made um from what sounds like is an incessant menu. Uh, They have like refrigerated fresh. Okay. For those like 3,000 people who work at Google, you're safe or Facebook, you're good. But for most folks that work in offices, they're crispy, right? It's the most easy fucking jejun you know, banal menu option. What do you guys feel like eating? Um, pizza. Because that's what it is. And because that you do that, you never really have the option to choose what you want to eat for the rest of the day. That's the truth. So here's the deal. When you start making the choices, i.e., 
i.e., or for example, what vegetarians and vegans have to do, what you have to do when you're thinking about doing some stupid paleo diet, sorry, <laughs> or some kind of, you know, just straight up good old fashioned, you know, uh, 30, 30, 40 diet, or any type of diet. You have to start thinking about what you eat, and that actually has the biggest positive impact on the way you eat. Okay? And. That's the truth. So that's the only correlation. But yo, watch people just pillory James Wilkes and James Cameron for suggesting, just for the faint suggesting suggestion that eating plant-based is actually good for you and you should get rid of meat. It's like... I already knew, me personally, I'm like, yo, all the meat eaters and all the meat heads are going to get super butthurt. Especially when they started talking about how hard men's dicks are going to get in the middle of the night. How long you can sustain an erection on a plant-based diet. Yo, you're going to piss off every freaking inchworm having meathead. Like, why would you do that, guys? For some reason, I find that in general as humans... When we find a position that's super, like when we're willing to die on a hill, it's usually not a rational hill that we're willing to die on. We're willing to die on hills that are largely a function of like, you know, you trying to break into my echo chamber and tell me something different. And that's, we really should think about why we're so adherent to meat other than the fact that it tastes amazing, which guys, I'll get to my thesis at the end. Um... So, I mean, Bio Lane was the guy, and he talked about how, uh, yeah, how correlation doesn't equal causation, and it doesn't. And he is right. He even says it's about lifestyle change, and that's the biggest booster of the plant-based diet, right? Um, people talk about the power lifter, the strongman, and how much plant-based protein he had to drink. You know, honestly, guys... These guys aren't doing that year-round, right? So when he's in his off-season, he's probably not taking in 400 grams of protein. Um, I heard Chris Chrysler talk about like uh, their argument that we can convert all the land that we use to graze cattle into 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 crops. And 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 how like monocultures are 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 really bad for us. It's like yeah. And, and and look, it's never going to happen the way it was 200 years ago where we planted corn next to, to beets and then over there, there were potatoes next to squash, right? Food is a business and as such, the land that farmers grow on is heavily subsidized, whether they're growing corn and soy or raising cattle and chicken in a free range kind of a way. There is no room for wasted space, right? Land is re- growing land and farmland is a retail store. It's brick and mortar without either of those. And the idea that there should be space for this to grow outwardly and that is never going to happen. And kind of, um, you know, getting rid of, of, of cows to, and being like, oh, we're, you know, all we're going to do is, is, is we can get rid of cows, but what are you going to do with all that land? Monoculture it? That'd be bad. Well, 
the land wouldn't be converted into anything more efficient than grazing land anyway. Newsflash, the United States, uh, huge landmass. Um, we're not going to use all of it, guys. So what it's used for now, ethically, whether we're into killing cows or not, that's pretty much what it's going to be used for for a long time. Uh, Cresser talks about uh, amino acid profiles poorly in a clumsy kind of a way. Look, you know, he talks about values that, you know, a freshman nutrition student already knows that any athlete that works out with a strength coach when they're 15 knows, right? Which is essentially a pound per body weight for protein for athletes. Guys, oh, and Cresser goes on to explain like it's more like, um, yeah, it's more like a pound. Yo, I'm about 190. I don't eat 90 grams of protein a day. So here's a guy who's not an athlete, who doesn't work out, who's giving information about how much protein people should eat. And I just thought that that was hyper cringeworthy. Um, let me let me say this. This is this is true. Uh, most of how we get. Let me wrap this up by saying the following: most of how you guys get your protein, whether it's plants or animals, the best and most efficient. Bang for your buck is definitely from eggs, apparently. Pound for pound and meat and cheese, right? There's certain types of cheese, you know, dried eggs, uh, beef. But they all are superior sources pound for pound than any plant. And the closest plant-based type of protein that you could get that would even compete, that has a complete amino acid profile, is soy. There is talk that an amino acid profile is limited by the amount of the least prevalent amino acid, right? Meaning if I have amino acid A, B, and C, and that's what a protein is, it's amino acids A, B, and C, and there's not enough B, well, I'm limited by how much B I have. If there's a ton of A, B, and C in another type of amino acid, say from, I don't know, goat milk or chickpeas, right? There's a ton. Well, the one from chickpeas is going to be better than the first example I gave. It turns out soy has a ton for what for plant-based, but the next, man, most efficient proteins, if there was a list, are all meat and dairy sources. In a vacuum, that's a problem. That means, yes, you vegans, you're going to have to work harder. But life is not in a vacuum, right? You're not eating just one source of protein from soy. You're eating soy. You're eating pepitas. You're eating, maybe you're not eating egg whites. Maybe you're not doing dairy because you're vegan. That's right. You're eating, you're getting it from buckwheat. You're getting it from tempeh. You're getting it from mush, um, 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 uh, tempeh, from chutney, from dosas, from other legumes, almonds, uh, all these sources from dried fruit all together. And guess what? They're probably going to be a complete protein. Now, how much of it do you have to eat in volume? A lot more. Sure. Again, 
How much do we need? Are we really thinking about doing what Arnold said he did in the movie of 250 grams? Because that's how much he weighed back in the day. And bodybuilders now are like 300 pounds. Let me answer that for you. Fuck no. And if you think that's the case, you're tripping. Or you're not tripping at all. And you're right. You're also in the middle of competition season. In which case, I apologize. I apologize fervently. Please don't snap my neck like a twig because you haven't had any pasta in the last 17 months. Please. And this the sight, the sight of macaroni gives you the the freaking uh thousand yard stare and a bloodlust for days, right? Um let me let me also wrap it up by saying this too. The biggest argument other than the failed thesis of endothelial flow if you study vitamins and minerals which a lot of these pseudo nutritionists don't because that's boring and not sexy to know what manganese does in your body not like i can tell you exactly what it does this instant but the fact i can ask a lot of these you know creasers or gary taubes or some of these people that have written awful books because they haven't really been in front of real clients like you you know, off the top of my head, what happens if you get a lack of selenium in the diet? And they would have no clue. More than likely. I don't know that for sure, but I I, 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 I have no doubt in my mind that the that that the sex the most sexy part of nutrition and fitness has everything to do with protein and creatine and and all these macronutrients that boost performance and then you get the gains, but it has um, no one wants to talk about vitamins and minerals. The truth is, if what what I noticed interestingly along the way is we are able to create most vitamins and minerals ourselves. And the fact that we're able to do that, it tells me this. It tells me a long time ago, maybe we were able to sustain without eating a ton of meat. But then we probably said, you know what? That Axis deer over there, it is probably, it tastes good. There's not a lot of, there's not a lot of vegetation around here for us to eat. Let's kill those bison. And, okay, today it's a big business. But once upon a time, maybe we, maybe we acquiesced into this position that we stand in the food web of life as omnivores. Is that possible? That we're supposed to eat a ton more plants than we do, but also we are supposed to eat meat, right? Um, in the Game Changers, they did this 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 tooth, this dental, this orthodontery about about like yo, uh, our molars are for shredding uh, leaves off, and our our stomachs are 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 for churning and digesting plants and extracting all the nutrients and vitamins from them and i just thought yo you don't even have to go that far meat eaters and carnivores and butthurt meatheads to explain that that's faulty right the 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 game changers made that argument to which i can easily just respond yeah we also have tails (laughs) you think maybe we can we don't need them anymore (laughs) There's so many parts of our bodies 
including like your xiphoid process. Uh, we thought for a long time your spleen and your appendix. Um, the prevalence of, of hitchhiker's thumb might actually be the fact that we're losing bones. A lot of this stuff is vestigial. And so maybe once upon a time, and I don't know much about anthropology, we were supposed to eat a ton of berries and veggies along the way. And that's all we did as hunter-gatherers. But also accepting that ugh, big brain Neanderthals came from here and, and, and is because of the, 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 the proliferation of hunting and meat and our use of weapons. Maybe that's possible too. Maybe, maybe instead of the game changers claim that uh, the gladiators were, were herbivores. Yeah, maybe for a time period or a small, you know, section of, 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 of the empire, right? Uh, why is that so horrible to believe? People then cherry-picked and said, like, oh, gladiators were really fat. And it's like, really? You think the slaves, <laughs> the descendants of Spartans, when the Romans went and conquered Greece and the Greek islands... The descendants of Spartans, probably two generations removed from from when the Spartans were defending their homeland. You think that they were <laughs> genetically disposed? Their genes were ready for corpulence, right? The descendants of Spartans were fat guys? Nah. So, uh, instead, what I think is we're probably made to do a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Um... And adhering to a plant-based diet, veganism, I think, doesn't make much sense. But the Game Changers really impressed me. It impressed me that there were some athletes out there who were able to get as much protein as they needed. Right? And not only are they getting protein, but vegan and vegetarian diets are notoriously missing zinc. They are missing B12. They're missing iron and typically miss out on calcium. I believe those are, they might, I think that's the main things that they're missing out on. But you can go out of your way to get some of this stuff, right? You can be really, really on point with what you get. And I just think if we're allowed to live in a space where both are acceptable, then yeah. I mean, I have a cousin who's a vegetarian and he eats like shit sometimes, but he also is really mindful and knows how to cook food really, really good, right? And he goes out and he buys the, the, uh, the, the, um, the, the, the meat for, for, he'll cook for us meat and then he'll go and cook for himself delicious mushroom lasagna and do all this. And that's cool. So I think maybe let's, uh, Take it easy, meat eaters. My message, I guess, is this, right? Here's my verdict. My verdict is there's nothing wrong with being an omnivore, but I also find it comical that people are so in defense of meat. It wouldn't kill us to eat less meat because the argument that we need our protein from meat, which is a huge premise and a wide, wide-ranging thesis for this for this uh, documentary, and we need protein to stay big we don't guys i mean to to live that we need meat to live we, we don't we don't if you listen to that as the premise and that was the premise then yeah the movie makes way more sense but no one ever said we needed meat to live 
I get that there's, um, right? I get that connotatively meat means manliness, but let's also remember that there are plenty ways for us to be healthy. And I think health and longevity, uh, is more tough guy than, than just eating meat throughout, you know? Um, I think, I think cholesterol and saturated fat have long since been let off the hook as simply it's guys. Hey, what is true? And I'll wrap up on this point. I know I keep saying that, but I will wrap up on this point. What is more to the point, more true is this, this has veracity and has in all my years with vegan eaters to low carbers to breakfast skippers to men, women, kids. You eat a ton of saturated fat. You eat, take in and have high cholesterol. If you and 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 thus are out of shape and sedentary. If you answer the question, what did you how do you feel right now? Right? And the answer is almost universally going to be some form of crappy. Right? Those things go hand in hand. They're not the cause of each other. But let's just say, if I say to you, hey, how you feeling today? You good? You ready to get it? I'm dragging ass Two pounds of shit One pound bag Chances are if someone does your lipid profile They're going to find a lot of the saturated fats Here's the other truth A lot of those foods that have the high cholesterol The saturated fat with the exception of like eggs and shrimp and stuff But I mean relatively high They're largely accompanied with with processing and that's never something we all sat here and said hey you know what we should eat more of chef boyardee <laughs> no one says that shit guys so hopefully this has been kind of an informative session with your coach hopefully i've given you a reason to go and watch game changers let me know what you guys come up with if all of a sudden i got a bunch of vegetarians like hitting me up Offering me gazpacho recipes. I'm going to be like, yo, maybe I missed the mark. But more seriously, uh, let me know what you guys thought about it. And I hope we dispelled a lot of myths because um, a lot were brought up. This has been your coach. This has been it. Thank you for joining me. I hope to hear from you guys soon. Have a great week. Talk to you later.